This is certainly an interesting time in our country, in our world, and I will say that I certainly did not expect to be um, presenting the word to you today in this way, Um, but nevertheless, in all things, God has reminded us um, that he is indeed our our constant hope. He's remained our constant hope, and and we realize that in an ever- change in society, we Christians have the privilege to have subjected ourselves to God who is from everlasting to everlasting, who never changes, never fails, never falls, and is never taken by surprise. With that, I wanted to spend some time this Sunday morning offering us an encouragement in God's word and a reminder from his word that we are to trust him completely. My prayer is that we will absolutely see the grace of God during this time. And instead of running to our phones or running to headlines, we will run to Christ, who is indeed our refuge. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word today. We pray that it falls on good ground, that we are encouraged, that we are strengthened by the word that we hear today. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So before we begin, I'll just start with a small illustration, there was this small country city that had gotten word that an F5 tornado was about to hit it. Now, this little city was quite often hit by tornadoes, so they fronted the calls a few years ago to build a massive storm shelter. Now, when they got word that this tornado was coming, the whole city began to move towards that storm shelter. That is, everyone except for Miss Jemison. Ms. Jemison was the 93-year-old senior statesperson in that community. While many headed for the shelter, they saw Ms. Jemison sitting on the porch in her rocking chair in her little wooden home. Thinking that she had not heard the news, a group of people stopped by her home to take her to the shelter, but to their surprise, Ms. Jemison refused. Baffled, the people asked why she would put her life at risk And to them, she replied with these words. Well, I read that in the Bible, God protected the three Hebrew boys. I read that he sheltered Daniel even in the lion's den. I read that he saved Paul on the broken pieces of a ship. He saved Paul from being stoned. And he even saved Paul when he was bitten by a snake. I think my life is in good hands. They said, but this is a tornado. Don't you think that God built the shelter to protect you? Ms. Jemison then replied, baby, I have been in this house for 65 years. I raised seven children in this home, and we've seen more tornadoes than you can count. My life is in good hands. They again warned that this storm could kill her, and she gave her final reply. Baby... If the Lord wants to take me home, then it won't matter if I'm in this shelter or in my home. His will be done. There is this magnificent combination that happens in the life of every believer that has walked with God. We are strengthened and encouraged by the work of God all throughout Scripture. And we are also encouraged by the work of God that serves as the framework and the foundation of our faith. So as we look today at trusting God in times like these, we will realize that the only thing that changes is in fact time. 
but God never changes. We can look back at God's track record in our own lives and in the word of God and find confidence in our faith that he is indeed sovereign and in control and the safest place for us to reside is in the will of God. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Psalms, 61, chapter 61, verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Now, when David writes this psalm, David is actually going through one of the most traumatic times that he's ever experienced in his life. David's own son, Absalom, rose up against his father while he was still the king in Israel, and he actually drove his own father into exile. During this time, David writes many psalms, and many times they are the expressions of both his fear and his trust in God. He was in exile and on the run for the fear of being killed by his enemies, his own son, and that made matters even worse. In this psalm, we can clearly see David's emotional state, and he is quite candid here. We should all be careful to note that in this conversation with God, David is vulnerable, David is honest, and David is raw. There is no need here for David to put on airs, to put on a strong face in front of God. David completely exposes his own nakedness before God. And that is very much why he is able to be comforted by God as well. One of the things that every believer must do is be willing to be honest with ourselves before our holy God. He alone is the discerner of our hearts. And as long as we try to present ourselves as unworried or as unbothered, we cannot fully lean, depend, and trust on God because we are trying to convince ourselves that we simply don't need him as much as we really do. Remember, by this time, David has had to come to grips with horrendous atrocities that he's committed in his own life. He knows that there is nothing that can hide him from God. See, even in his punishment, even in the atrocities he committed, God remained merciful and God remained gracious to David. And so there's nothing he feels that he should hide from God. And so he lays it all out. And that is the first point in today's sermon. David's cry for help. David's cry for help. David begins here by petitioning God. Quite obviously, this is a man in great distress as he has been driven far from his homeland. So this is why he says from the end of the earth. Now, this is more of an emotional feeling rather than merely a geographical location. But this is David's expression. He feels far off from God. He feels isolated. But yet. He knows that God is still near. So he petitions God, even from his feeling of being so far away from him, that he would hear his cry. 
there is this mixing of contradicting feelings and emotions that we all must admit that we have felt as Christians. We have all been troubled in ways and have been able to empathize with what David is feeling right now. He feels far off from his people, from his land, and from God, yet he can adequately equivocate that God is still able to hear his prayers, not just hear them, but attend to them and answer them. This is the balance with a walk with God, and we even see it with Jesus on the cross. As Jesus, having the full revelation and knowledge of who God was, is stretched out on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are always times when our reality clouds our reality. We will always have days when it just appears that what we know about God doesn't seem to still be true. But in those times, we must both take a book, a page out of the book of David and a page out of the book of Jesus as well. That even when we don't feel God, he's still here. Chris and I have experienced this quite recently with our newborn, Sarah Brooke. Every now and again, we will leave her in her bed with hopes that she'll remain asleep while she's in that bed. Now, Babies have very limited vision. They cannot see more than 12 inches in front of their faces. So much of what they know about their reality is based on what they can feel. Many times she will open her eyes and she cannot see Christy or myself and she cries or yelps or does anything that she knows will bring us to her that will evoke our presence. See, she does this so that we will draw near to her even when she can't feel that we are near. This is the exact same thing that we must feel with God. Just like the little infant that can't feel that the child, that the parent is near, their trust is that though I can't see them, though I can't feel them, I believe by crying out, it will bring their presence to me and it will bring me into their presence. We must likewise do the same thing, even if we don't feel God, what we know about God should outweigh our temporary reality. No, we don't always feel him, but he is there. And if we are faithful enough to cry out to God, then we know that he hears and he answers our prayers. Simply put, We may go through and experience different things, but what we go through and what we experience should absolutely not change what we know about God. It should not change how we even respond to God. God is ever faithful. God is ever true. And so like the baby who cannot see in front of them, we must trust that God is nearer than what we merely feel. This is why a relationship cannot simply be built on our emotional response to God, but it must be built on the truth. And our faith must be rooted and grounded in Christ. That brings us to our second point for today. David's admission. David in his continuing a petition mentions that he calls to God 
when his heart is faint. This is an admission that many of us have probably felt but never want to communicate. David, however, without hesitation, says that he calls to God even when he feels hopeless. For his heart to be faint only furthers his feelings of estrangement from God. So much so that he says that he feels hopeless. His courage was failing and it had began, begun to define his very disposition. This is a reality that happens to many of us who are in Christ. We lose heart at times. We feel hopeless at times. We lose sight of where we are. And that brings a great deal of real stress in our lives. It even changes how we feel about God at times. And like David, we must be open and honest with God about how we feel towards the condition. We do not desire to displease God, but we do seek to understand him. A very real part of us understanding him is that we seek out his will through our hurt and through our disappointment. I'm actually reminded in the word of God when the sister of Lazarus finally gets to Jesus She's so disappointed and angry that she tells him, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, were those emotions that she felt very real? Absolutely, those emotions were real. But those emotions also didn't sway her confidence in Christ, which was knowing that he was the source of what could have fixed her brother's condition. There is this marrying between what we feel about God in the times that we go through what we go through, but also what we know the word of God has also told us about who God is. Yes, there is this struggle that we as Christians will always go through and we want to see those two ideals married. But we must be realistic that there are times that our heart is faint. There are times that we can't see our way, but what we know about God should absolutely trump what we feel. So even in our hurt, even in our disappointment, even in our confusion about what God is doing, we must unequivocally remember that God alone is sovereign and in control and that he is the author and both the finisher of our faith. We cannot simply place that trust alone on ourselves, but it must be placed in the hands of God. And that brings us to our third and final point for today. And this is the place that I pray that we will all get to. And that's David's confidence. David, though tested and tried by his circumstance, found great hope and grace, not in his own strength, but in the strength of God. He proclaims that God lead me to a rock that is higher than I. He is effectively able to lay aside his own personal autonomy, his own trust in who he is, knowing that he cannot be his own savior, but it must be God. God is the rock. He is unshakable. He is immovable. He alone should be trusted and regarded as such. He then looks back at God's track record and says that for you have been my refuge. 
God, I've already seen what you have been able to do in my life. And even if the outcome is not as such as I would desire, you have already been my refuge in times of trouble. You've already been my protection. You've already been my peace, God. So that even what I face right now, though it is difficult, what I know about God in our history is greater than the uncertainty of my present or even my future. David remembers that God has consistently been the place of safety for him. God has consistently provided for him. And even in what seemed like a far fall from grace, God has surely been his sustainer. He is evoking interesting imagery here of God being the wall of defense between us and our enemies. And he calls him a strong tower against his enemy. David knows that God has proven himself faithful even when he wasn't faithful. God has proven himself consistent even when he wasn't consistent. And so even if he felt like he was facing a situation that he had never faced before, he was doing it with a God that he has known before. And that should be our encouragement this Sunday. Yes, we are in unprecedented times, but this is not new. We have been in unprecedented times since Jesus ascension back to the father. We do not have a plan. We do not have a guide. We do not have a map. We cannot look into the future and absolutely be able to determine what is happening. But we do know the God who not only holds the past and the present, but he is also in control of our futures. That is where our trust must lie. There is this dangerous happening in today where Many people are picking the side to which they trust, and it usually falls on some kind of political ideology or some kind of racial ideology or whatever it may be. But our trust should be in the word of God. It should be in what we know about God from Genesis to Revelation. What God has said is the only thing that will stand. And the Bible reminds us that when heaven and earth will pass away, there is one thing that will remain. And that is the word of God. That is all we have. That is all we hope in. That is all we trust in. Yes, we don't know what the outlook or the outcome may be, but God is proven. And he has proven himself. He is our protection. He is our refuge. He is our tower. We must place our ever fleeting and failing hearts in the hands of the king, and our confidence will be reinvigorated. We are commanded in the Bible to be steadfast and immovable. Our faith is surely and firmly fixed in the Lord. Be reminded that in an ever-changing climate, we have the one constant in the universe, and that is in Jesus Christ. And we pray that we will be led to God even when we feel that he is distant from us. Like a child that searches for its mother in the darkness. God, let let our hearts search after you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word today. We thank you how you have 
bless us to hear the word. We pray that it will be an encouragement for all believers that we need nothing more than we need you. God, you are a hope. You are a sustainer. You are a refuge. You are a protection. You are a peace. God, you are our strong tower. God, we pray for your wisdom, even as we deal with unprecedented times, that we will trust in the man who has never changed and will not change. God, give us this grace and give us this hope to trust in you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.